0: Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. So it's all about grace at New Day. The first six months of this year, we're we're focusing on grace. We're talking about grace. And uh, so I want to start with a bit of a review so, if some of these things that I'm saying sounds familiar, smile and nod at me. Like, yep, I, I remember that point. I'm getting this. All right. So here we go. So we we learned that grace is actually an attribute of God, and it it, it actually sums up all the attributes of God. It's His generosity poured out, His generosity displayed. Anybody remembering these things? All right. And we learned that a benefit of grace is unmerited favor, unwarranted. We, we didn't do anything to deserve this. And really, we acknowledge that everything we have is because of grace. grace. Everything's a gift of grace. Our lives, our families, food, shelter, community, our minds, the ability to speak. All these things are, are, are grace, because of grace and gifts. I was asking the Lord, Father, what do you want me to tell your people about grace? And I felt like he said, tell them grace is a foreigner to this earth. Mm -hmm. To engage your spirit person to digest and eat grace this morning, your spirit person has to be the one to engage and consume the truth about grace because if you just kind of think about it just within your mind in a physical from a physical vantage point, you're going to miss the fullness of it because it's a supernatural thing. So I bless your spirit person. We're we're body, soul, and spirit, right? I bless your spirit person this morning to come to the forefront and lead your body, lead your soul, and and ingest grace and eat grace this morning. All right, so how are you going to know if you are getting what you're supposed to be getting in this first six months of the year on grace? Um... I just want to let you know that you're going to know if you're getting it. We've talked about it for a couple months. We're going to talk about it for a couple more months. You're going to know if your response is um, humility. You'll feel humble if you're getting it. You're going to go, wow, I don't deserve this love. I don't deserve this forgiveness. I don't deserve all of this. And there's a sense of humility that washes over you. That's one thing how you'll, you'll know you're getting it. Number two is you're going to feel loved you're going to go I don't deserve it and yet you did. Yes. Thank you and you're just going to feel loved. Okay, that's another thing. And another thing, the third thing is you're going to feel empowered. You're going to feel motivated to live uh, for God. To to live a, a strong, godly, growing Christian life. Okay, so that can be like a little bit of a self-test like am I am I getting what I'm supposed to be getting out of this this sermon series here all right so this month we've been talking about grace from the old testament we've we've heard about some great uh, bible characters Abraham the Gibeonites Jonah Noah well today I am going to preach from the story of Samson his story is found in the book of Judges chapters 13 through 16 and um, and I think it's going to be good so how many of you are familiar with this story Okay. I, I grew up in the church. I heard this story in Sunday school, heard the story all my life. Now, if you haven't heard the story, bear with me. I'm going to tell you the story, but I just have to say this first. My whole life, I was like, Samson, just don't tell her. Like, you know, like, doesn't he get it? She's, whatever you tell her, she's just going to try it. She's, She's going to try to, to see if she can take away your strength, if your strength can be, she's going to do it. So each time I would be like, don't tell her, don't tell her. Oh, he, he tells her again every time I hear this story. Um, but so I, so I just wasn't settled with this story. I felt like there's more to this story than Samson's an idiot. <laughs> like there has to be something else I'm missing. And so As with anything that I don't quite get yet, I just leave it as an open item before the Lord and say, speak to me about this, you know? And so when we got into grace and I began to look at his story through the lens of grace, I feel like I understood another level of what was going on here with Samson, and it's that he took grace for granted. Okay, so I'm going to, like I said, tell you the story of Samson, and then we're going to learn from history and pull out some key points from that. But my main point this morning that I want you to remember is that grace is too valuable to take for granted. Let's say that. Grace is too valuable to take for granted. All right, so let's dive in. So this story takes place um, when the Israelites, God's chosen people, have been brought into the promised land by Moses and Joshua. Moses and Joshua have, have died and um, the Israelites are beginning to occupy the land. But it's before the time where they have kings ruling them. So the Lord would raise up judges from time to time to, to um, lead the people and, and bring them out from under the oppression of the enemies. Okay, so Samson was one such judge. He was chosen before he was born to be a leader in Israel, and he's given a gift of supernatural strength. Now, the reason why this is a perfect example of grace, Samson could not have possibly done anything to deserve this, right? He wasn't even born yet. And so it's just God's love, God's favor, his abundant goodness poured out on this man and his family. And not only that, but all of his people are going to benefit from this grace poured out. So we see this this grace poured out in Samson's life, this undeserved favor. So an angel appears to Samson's mom and says, you will conceive and give birth to a son. No razor may be used on his head because the boy is to be a Nazarite, set apart to God from birth, and he will begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. So the Israelites were under the oppression of the Philistines because they had sinned, and as a consequence of that sin, they are they're in bondage. And so God raises is going to raise up Samson to to deliver them, begin to deliver them out from under that. And now to be a Nazarite, I just want to explain this what this means. In Numbers chapter six, it talks about the vow of a Nazarite, and to be a a Nazar uh, the vow of a Nazarite would be taken by an Israelite for uh, a specific period of time. And during that time, you would specially devote yourself unto God. During that period of time, you would not cut your hair. You would eat, you would drink no wine, you'd eat no grape products, and you'd avoid all contact with any um, dead bodies. And so this would be the um, this vow of a Nazarite. And so Samson's unique because th- this was meant to be a life long vow for him, um, that he was going to be a Nazirite for his whole life. Another interesting thing about Samson that makes him unique is that he's a one-man army. All the other judges that ruled Israel, they would lead an army against the enemies, but Samson fought alone, so that's uh, a unique point about him. All right, so let's look at some of his acts of mighty strength. How did this gift of grace upon him um, play out in his life. All right. Ready? Yes. Okay. So Samson has grown up and he decides he has his heart set on marrying this woman from Timnah. Now she is not a follower of God. She's a Philistine, one of the enemies. And, but he has her heart, his heart set on marrying her. says, come on, mom and dad, you're going to make the arrangements. I'm doing this. I'm marrying her. Let's go. And on their way to Timnah, he gets attacked by a lion. Now most people, when they get attacked by a lion, they die. <laughs> not Samson. Not, not his not him with his mighty strength. This illustration's great. So this so my son has an action Bible where it's like comic strips. For a Bible, it's great for um, like seven to ten-year-olds. It's called the Action Bible. Anyway, so that's how I'm going to illustrate my story for you this morning. Is thanks to his Bible. So, so he's attacked by this lion. He's able with his strength, that grace gift upon him, to just rip the lion apart and 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 walk away, and continue on his way to to pursue this marriage. So, so the it gets set up the marriage get set up and they begin to have these, these weeks of um, feasting and celebration for the marriage. And a lot of little things happen. I'm not going to go into it. You can read it on your own. But pretty much Samson gets really, really mad and leaves. And once he cools down and decides to come back to his bride, he comes back and finds that her father has given her away to his best man. So he is irate, and, and the father's like, "What I thought you didn't like her anymore because you left. So um, he is so mad that um, he, um, ca- he he catches 300 foxes. I don't know how you do that. Any ideas anybody um, 300 okay <laughs> elephant has an idea 300 foxes take them two by two, ties their tails together with a torch and sets them Loose, and they burn down all of the crops and vineyards of the Philistines. This is what Samson does because he's angry. So this, this retaliation, this revenge happens. So then the Philistines are so mad that Samson did that that they burned down his bride and her father and their, their home. And then Samson finds out about that arson, and he's so mad that he, the Bible says that there's a great slaughter... So Samson just goes crazy, killing a bunch of Philistines just in this anger. And, and so this is how he's using his, um, this, this strength upon him is just, is just this killing rampage. It's crazy, right? Um, <clears throat> so then Samson, he's, he's just done this attack. So now it would be their turn to retaliate. So he's like, I better go hide now. So he's hiding in the cleft of a rock now. Um, he's alone in a cave, no family, no friends. At this point, I kind of feel sorry for Samson. I'm like, "What you doing?" <laughs> you know. And I I was reading a commentary, and I'm going to share this quote with you because I think this this sums up this part of his life really really good. It says, "God used all this." This meaning Samson's self-centered, angry outburst. God used all this to advance his plan for Israel and redemption. Yet because of Samson's disobedience, it all happened at great personal cost to Samson. Way that blessed Samson. And so I just think that is true, that God is God. He's, he's bigger than Samson and Samson's mistakes. He's able to further his, his purposes despite a corrupt leader. Yeah. He, he's able to do that, but it could have turned out a whole lot different for Samson. He didn't need to be alone in a cave. You know, this is, this is sad. <laughs> um, all right, so let's continue. So the Philistines know that he's hiding out, the Philistines approach the Israelites and say, hand him over. We know know you're hiding him in there somewhere. The Israelites are scared. They go to Samson and say, what have you done? Don't you know they're rulers over us? And um, so this really shows the heart of the Israelites, that they would rather make sure that their oppressors are pleased Mm -hmm. rather than support the deliverer that God has sent for them. So this kind of helps you see where the Israelites are at. But Samson realizes the situation. Okay, I don't want the Philistines to take this out on my people. So he's like, all right, promise me this, that you'll just tie me up and hand me over to the Philistines. Don't kill me. Will you promise not to kill me? Just tie me up. And, then, and they say, okay, we won't kill you. So they tie him up and, and hand him over to the Philistines. And as soon as he's before the Philistines, he, with this, this grace upon him, this great strength, he's able to rip free from all, from all of his restraints. He's able to rip free and conveniently located nearby is his weapon of choice that he's probably trained with his whole life, the uh, fresh jawbone of a donkey. He could use anything. Here's a picture. (laughs) Wow, this is crazy. A thousand against one. Samson uses this jawbone and he defeats a thousand Philistines. And so Samson can just kind of get out of anything, can't he? There's really nothing in his life that he hasn't been able to get out of. Hmm. All right. So then, here's another thing that happens. A little while later, he decides to spend the night with a prostitute in Gaza, which is another Philistine city. Every time he goes to a Philistine city, he has some moral failure. It's like, Samson, stay away. Anyway, so he's there, and the Philistines know about it. They lock the gates for the night, and they're so happy. We finally have got him. All they've wanted is to capture him all this time, and they never can. They're so frustrated, and they're like, this is our chance. We're going to get him in the morning. We're just, you know, we're going to be able to capture him. Well, Samson decides that he wants to leave in the middle of the night. So he proceeds to leave, sees that the gates are Locked and barred, and there's guards everywhere. And um, But remember his odds? Thousand to one doesn't stop him. He just walks right up to the gate, rips it free of its post, bars and all, says, I'm out of here. I want to leave now, so I'm going to go. Now, <clears throat> if I was going to rip a city gate off of its post, I would probably be like, Ugh! Nope, he doesn't do that. He carries it around for a while. (laughs) Uphill, the Bible says. So he's like uphill, carrying the skate all the way to the top of the hill. Okay, this is Samson. These are crazy stories. All these mighty acts of strength. He can get out of anything, can't he? All right, well, sometime later, the Bible says he fell in love with a Philistine woman named Delilah. Delilah. The Philistine rulers found out about it, and they're like, all right, maybe we can get him through this angle. Delilah, we'll give you a lot of money if you will get him to tell you the secret of his strength and, and how he can be tied up and subdued. And so she agrees. She loves money way more than she loves Samson. And so she just begins to relentlessly beg him and pester him and tell me if you loved me you'd tell me and um so eventually he tells her a reason it's a lie it's not the real reason this is the first thing he tells her if i were tied up with seven new leather straps i'd be no stronger than any other man so she's like oh he told me so she's happy for a minute well she tries it and wake up the philistines are here they weren't they were in hiding so he didn't really know that they were there so it's just a little game, and, uh, and 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 he wakes up, breaks free of the restraints, and she's like, "Oh, you did, you lied to me. You you didn't. T- you must not love me." And um, so Samson like stays in this, and he tells her another lie, and then another one. Well, if you weave my braids into a weaving loom, I'll be as weak as any other man. Well, he's able to break that free too. Eventually, rather than him breaking off this destructive relationship with Delilah, it it broke him. And that's why the Bible says, flee youthful lusts. lusts. And and when we're tempted, God provides a way of escape. Flee, escape, leaving is the key there. When you linger in the environment and you just stay, you're going to Break eventually. Okay, so he does. He ends up telling her the real reason, um, and says, "Well, if you if you cut my hair, if you you know shave off my braids, I I'll be as weak as any other man." And so, um, <clears throat> so she realizes this is the one. The Philistines are are in hiding and ready. She put. Him to sleep, lulls him to sleep in her lap, and a Philistine barber comes in. Now, I think it's sad that a hairdresser is the villain in the story. <laughs> For those of you that might not know, I'm also, uh, other than being a pastor, I'm a hairdresser. So anyway, <laughs> so um, anyway, so the Philistine hairdresser comes in, shaves off his braids, and it says that Samson begins to weaken. And his strength left him. And this is our key verse. Then Delilah said, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Samson finally had to reckon with taking grace for granted. His rejection of God caught up to him. The grace upon Samson lifted. The supernatural strength lifted. The Holy Spirit left. His hair was cut. His hair was the symbol of his consecration to the Lord, and it was the pledge of God's favor to him. See, I think Samson was so accustomed to getting out of every bind, no matter how big. A lion? No problem. A thousand to one? No problem. A huge heavy city gate and all these guards? No problem. Right? So no wonder he toyed with Delilah. He never knew what it was like to not have the gift of grace. It wasn't in his realm of understanding. I don't think he ever considered it. It'll always be there, he thought. He can wield his strength and get out of any trouble. He'd lived in compromise, taking it for granted for so long that he thought it wouldn't make a difference. And I think he misinterpreted the delay of God's judgment as a sign that that it was really okay. That God, you know, oh, I guess God supports us, It's, it's okay. Well, it's not okay. God's timing is different than ours. When we, you know, it's not like immediately a lightning bolt strikes, you know. It's like he gives time and space. He wants to see if people's hearts are going to turn. And he's patient. But there is judgment as well. So anyway, I think Samson misinterpreted the delay of God's judgment that everything that he was doing was okay. But remember, God's purpose was still bigger than Samson himself. And God was able to further his purposes to... lift the oppression off the Philistines despite Samson's sin Romans 6 says shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase by no means we died to sin how can we live in it any longer going on sinning and grace don't belong together count yourself dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you obey its evil desires, do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you're not under the law, but under grace. So Samson is captured. The strength left him. so The Philistines were able to capture him. They they gouge out his eyes, and they put him to work grinding in a prison doing the work of a beast. And this is a very low point for Samson. All of his sins that felt like freedom at the time leads to bondage. The Bible teaches us that sin is bondage. That's the truth seems like freedom but this is the reality and that's where it led him no freedom at all not even the freedom to see this is extremely sad and low and i love this phrase in the bible what comes next but his hair began to grow back you can see there's little patches growing in on the picture there (laughs) so there's hope in the midst of prison in the midst of this low There's hope. There's always hope. So then, to continue the story, the Philistines have this party. They are so glad, finally, they were able to capture Samson. They've been trying to do this for a while. They're finally able to do it, and so they are actually worshiping their false god, giving worship to their false god, saying, you're stronger than the god of the Israelites because we were able to capture Samson. So Samson's actions not only harmed himself, but caused others to give glory to false gods. And that is a reality I want to talk about for a minute. Um, How many of you know somebody who, because of um, maybe a, a, a Christian leader who disobeyed God or sinned, or a a sinful act of a Christian causes someone else to deny God or reject relationship with God. Does anybody know anybody like that? It's so common. You know, they're offended, and so they just write off God because of a sinful act of a Christian. This is really sad. And I actually feel, I'm just going to bunny trail off my bunny trail, I feel like I have a word of knowledge this morning that there is someone here who that, that because of a Christian's mistake, because of a Christian that you knew that sinned, you've denied Jesus being your Lord. And God's calling you today and he's saying, I want you. That person made a mistake. They're not part of our relationship. Our relationship consists of me and you. And so if that's you today, I want you to come talk to me after service so we can pray about that. But the Lord is 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 on this, I believe. Um, another. So if you know people in your life, and I've had people in my life where, where this is the situation, and this is what I encourage you to do, two things with them. Number one, I encourage you to apologize on behalf of Christ. I'm sorry that happened to you. I'm sorry that that person professing Christ sinned in this way or did this You know, ungodly thing. That's not the way God is. That person made a mistake. And, you know, I just apologize on behalf of of God and Christianity. You can do that. That's really powerful. Number two, find a way to lovingly and truthfully remind them that everyone has to stand alone before God to give an account for their life. They don't get to bring that person with them to point the finger. They have to stand there alone, just them and the God. They have to say, I rejected you. Because the enemy wants them distracted. The enemy wants us not thinking about that. But that's what it comes down to. So we have to help people see that. All right, so Samson's brought out to the party because they feel like they want some entertainment. So bring Samson out. Perform for us. What do you guys think he did? Did he juggle? (laughs) Maybe some backflips across the stage. I don't know. I'm sure they mocked him and ridiculed him. And, um, but this is my favorite part of the story. It's uh, the first time in my study of this, of this story where I see Samson genuinely praying. He says, Lord, grant me strength one last time. Let's read it. So then Samson prayed to the Lord, O oh, sovereign Lord, remember me, please, Strengthen me just once more. Does this sound like someone who's still taking grace for granted? No, his heart has changed. Strengthen me just one more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one, his left hand on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might and down came the temple on the ruler's And the people in it, thus he killed more when he died than while he lived. Yeah, so this is the first account of him genuinely praying, connecting with God about using his strength. Because now he knew what it was not to have it. We see him valuing it. He finally got it. Grace is too valuable to take for granted. And guess what? God was right there to receive him as soon as Samson turned his heart toward God so God grants his request. God pours grace on Samson in the form of supernatural strength once more. And Samson pushes down the temple. The Bible says 3,000 people were on the roof alone. I don't know how many were in the whole building, but a lot of people, a lot of uh, enemies of the Lord, worshipers of this false God, were destroyed that day. So two things we can learn from God about grace through this story. Number one, a dangerous but very easy response to grace is to take it for granted. It's a free gift, but it's the most costly and valuable thing. We must know the worth of grace and cherish it as a treasured possession. If not, we'll cast it aside when it suits us, saying, oh, I can repent tomorrow, or I'll just just make it right between God and I on my way to church. You know, I can... I can repent next week. I'm going to sleep with my boyfriend tonight and repent tomorrow. Or this, this—I just am going to gossip. This conversation's too juicy to refuse. I'm just going to go for it and enter in, and then I'll just repent later. It's been a stressful day. It's been a really stressful week. I'm just going to—I'm just going to get drunk and um, and worry about my relationship with God later well, I don't need to spend time with God. I don't need to read my Bible. Um, I'll just go to church, and they're going to tell us a Bible story anyway. Um, So we we need to be on guard against that, against taking grace for granted. And that's what we learn from this. And then the second thing we learn is if we've taken grace for granted, we can turn back to God. God forgives and restores even despite our miscare of grace. He always responds to repentance. Always responds to repentance. Sin still has consequences. Grace doesn't mean that all consequences are removed. Samson still died. It it was a waste of a great potential of a life. You know, he could have uh, lived long and ruled Israel and been blessed and, and, and helped... Uh, propelled and have a, a great life himself had he had chosen to live godly. Uh, but even if we've taken grace for granted, we can always turn back to God. Did you know in the list of the heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter eleven? Did you know that Samson makes it in that list? Surprising with his mistakes, right? Yeah. But this is what it says: Samson. Whose weakness was turned to strength. It was those last moments of his life that got him into the Faith Hall of Fame. Yeah. The the very end of his story where when the weakness was turned to strength that he is is listed in, in the heroes of faith. Um so so like the Israelites, we're all in need of a deliverer, aren't we? Um, Samson was one man, full of the Holy Spirit, sent to free the Israelites from the oppression of sin. Well, God sent the perfect deliverer, Jesus, one man, full of the Holy Spirit, to set us free from the oppression of sin. Where Samson fell so short, Jesus is the perfect deliverer. He is grace embodied. And every Bible story speaks his name. Every Bible story points to the cross. And this is the tie-in here with Samson's story. And and if you don't know, Jesus died on the cross, paying the price for our sins. The debt we owed for our sins, he paid it for us, exchanging his holiness for our sin. And God raised him from the dead. And he's alive today, still delivering people, still offering deliverance out of oppression, offering us life with him in this lifetime and for all eternity, instead of the alternative, which is being apart from him in this lifetime and for all eternity. He's offering that to you today. If you have not uh, accepted that, I encourage you to do that today in line with what Bill said earlier about the call of Jesus. That's powerful uh, this morning, so be sure to respond to that if that's you. So your takeaways this morning, when you're tempted to devalue God's grace, I pray you won't because you'll remember Samson. You'll remember what I shared today and you'll conclude it's not worth it. God's grace is too valuable to toy with. His grace is too valuable to take for granted.